Welcome to Locked On NBA. Got a great show for you today. Steph Curry is coming back and the Warriors are coming together. The Clippers are falling apart. We've got a timetable on LeBron James. Luka and Kyrie made history. Just a bunch of stuff impacting a wild Western conference. And then we look ahead to the biggest games of the weekend. We're going to break it all down here on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Locked On NBA Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg, joined by Adam Matas. We come to you every Friday here on the Locked On NBA feed. However, you might be tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Uh, we're recording this right after Warriors Clippers. Warriors beating the Clippers 115 to 91. Jordan Poole went off for 22 of his 34 points in the third quarter. Uh, they look great, the Warriors did. But the story coming out of tonight is that Steph Curry. Plans mm. to come back. He's coming back Sunday when the Warriors play the Lakers. Meanwhile, the Lakers announced on Thursday afternoon that LeBron suffered a tendon injury in his right foot, and he's going to be reevaluated in three more weeks. Mm-hmm. So just a bunch of important injury news that are, that's going to impact the, the playoff race in the West. We'll get to the LeBron stuff in a minute uh, and a bunch of other things that happened on a wild Thursday night. But let's just start with the Warriors and Steph Curry. Curry's now missed 10 straight games with this Clippers uh, game uh, with this left leg injury. The Warriors have gone five and five without him, which is about that's about as good as you could have hoped. Uh, they've won four in a row, including this Clippers win. They've got I one think they, I think they hold on. I think they went six and four. I'm looking. I'm looking at it. Yeah, I think it's six and four. Well, did I miss do that? They, they, right. they got a win. They had two losses, a win, two losses. And now they're on a four game win streak. OK, so they're six and four. Even better. Um one more game against the Pelicans Friday before Steph comes back on Sunday. Uh, they're looking good. They're stringing together wins. Jonathan Kaminga and Anthony Lamb are giving them good minutes. Clay Thompson's averaging 26, 27 points mm. over the last two months. Andrew Wiggins still out with the family matter, but more reporting on that a little bit tonight that he's expected back at some point, which I guess is an improvement based on this nothing that we've known about this over the last couple of weeks. But um adam just wondering as a nuggets guy how are you feeling about the warriors maybe coming together this late in the season i mean look it's not surprising the thing about the warriors is that they had all positive indicators that they were a good team when healthy i mean the number one five-man lineup in the nba i think the number one offense and one of the best defensive five-man lineups to have a real sample size under them so you knew that they had five guys that could play together six when you put jordan Poole off of the bench so it's just a matter of time. The question now became, you know, can they get healthy and together? And you're right. Steph coming back, this is enough runway. We always wondered, like, if he, did, if he comes back too late, is there enough runway to get a rhythm? Absolutely, there's enough time left. 20 games remaining, there's enough time. And then the Andrew Wiggins situation, I think, is odd for sure. A little bit strange. And, and, yeah. and you know, who knows when that, when and if that one will resolve. But um, to me, I'm not at all surprised. And I look at the standings out west. And I just look at it and go, we keep counting on, oh, my God, they might be this, they might be that. They honestly have a chance to climb as high as the four seed, maybe even a three seed. And be in, <laughs> like, the, the West is so chaotic that I really, any combination of three through 12, you tell me, I, I, I would believe. Yeah, I mean, you look at these standings and, you know, Phoenix is probably going to pull ahead with the KD thing, but I don't know, like Sacramento, how much are they going to really, are they going to pull away Memphis? Are they going to, they've won three in a row, but like the Warriors are as hot as anybody right now. And look, I, I don't even know how much the seeding matters for this team. I mean, they just have such a confidence. 
they do, I guess home court advantage is important for them. And, and we should recognize like a lot of these wins without Steph came at home. Like this team still cannot win on the road. Right. They're, it's crazy different. They're 25 and seven at home. They're seven and 23 on the road. They're the worst road team basically in the NBA of teams that like actually win game or trying to win games. Right. Um, and so I, I do wonder what happens with that. Like Jordan Poole tonight was a good Jordan Poole night. Again, that 22 points in the third quarter, 34 total against the Clippers. There's also some bad Jordan Poole nights. The team can't really rebound a whole lot. Like there's definitely some holes. They're not a perfect roster, but there are no perfect rosters. And if the Warriors have Steph Curry back and they're feeling good about themselves, we basically saw this last year, right? Like just a bunch of injuries. Their play, their starters not playing a, a bunch of minutes together, and then they they just have this sort of confidence about themselves that <laughs> when they come together, they're ready to just take off. And and obviously Steph. He doesn't need that much time to get into a rhythm. He knows Clay. He knows Draymond. Clay is better now than he was last year during their championship run. That's true. Like, he's fully back. Like it's two been forty two point he's games, back. by the way. Two forty point games in this last yeah. ten game stretch. Like he's, I mean, he's really looking good. And you, you mentioned like the the rhythm about getting together. They don't need it. They don't need it because they have ten years together. Like this group, right. you change out some of the other pieces. And by the way, some of the pieces aren't even changed when you think about like Gary Payton being back in the fold. And mm -hmm. you know, like so to me, yeah, this this team, you wondered how they'd survive this ten game stretch. They go six and four. You wondered what the the landscape of the NBA would look like when they got back to it. Turns out it looks more favorable than when they left, right. just by virtue of the fact that we thought Dallas might pull away. They didn't. We thought the Clippers might pull away. They slid. The Warriors actually passed Dallas and and the Clippers over this stretch here that we're talking about without without mm -hmm. Steph Curry. So they're actually in prime position now to climb the standings. They're five right now. They're only four games back of three. They're one game back of the Phoenix Suns at four. And I just think that's going to be a really fun race down the stretch. I still got a lot of questions about them, but um, you got to feel like like you just said, you did what you had to do. While Steph was out, Steph's coming back. And if you're a Warriors fan, you got to feel as good as you have all season about this team right now. And, and I think that's, like I said, that this is exactly what happened last year. They got hot in the last month and a half, and then they took off and, and made a run and won the championship. Um, all right, let's talk about the other team in that game, the Clippers. Um, they looked like a month ago that they were emerging as contenders. Kawhi was starting to look like Kawhi. They've now lost four straight. They're tied with the Timberwolves in the loss column. They're in danger of falling into the play-in tournament. They haven't won since they signed Russell Westbrook. It's not all on Russ, right? But the signing obviously is not working. What are your thoughts on the Clippers? I mean, it is like the easy narrative thing to just look at and say, Westbrook, LOL, you know, look at this. I think he's, and, and there is some of that. Let's not kid ourselves. I think the Clippers situation is an interesting one. They were 33 and 28 a week ago. They get Russell Westbrook. They lose in overtime to the Sacramento Kings in that 176-175 game, an absolutely ridiculous game that goes to two overtimes. Then they lose to Denver in overtime. Uh, another game on the road, a tough one they lose. They lose to Minnesota, and then tonight they kind of get blown off. They get run off the court. Yep. So two or three of these losses you look at and say, okay, hard fought, good teams, you know, whatever. Tonight's the one, and then the accumulation of four games in a row losing like this is where you go, yeah, as much as we can say Westbrook actually hasn't been that bad. He's played within himself and in the system, you know, this team, whatever. The results are the results. 0-4, and, and they've squandered. I think the biggest thing is they've squandered what was a great opportunity to really separate themselves from yeah. the rest of the pile. They 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 looked like contenders a month ago, and but they like 
those are the kind of stretches that we've kind of gotten accustomed to. It's like, hey, they get healthy. They get some good feels. The shots are going in for a few games in a row. And like, oh, here comes the Clippers. And then they just and then they just stop doing that. And they either get hurt or they sign Russell Westbrook. Like, I don't know. I'm just not really sure what's going on. But um, I, I, I know that like the Brooklyn Nets were kind of called the best theoretical team in the league. And now that the Nets are not the Nets anymore, it's now the Clippers. Like, I'm just so I'm just kind of sick of it. I'm just. I'm at the point of wait and see. Like, sh- I'm still not going to try. If the Clippers went and won the championship this year, Adam, I'm not sure I would still trust the Clippers at that point to win the championship. Like, I, I have no trust in this team whatsoever. It just feels like they're built in an Excel spreadsheet, and I, I just feel like there's no real like leadership among the player ranks. Like Ty Lue, I think is doing the best he can, but at the end of the day, you need like leaders in the player ranks, and I, and that's kind of. That was kind of also the reasoning why they got Russell Westbrook is because Kawhi and Paul George are a little bit more passive in that regard. I don't know that I want Westbrook being that guy, you know, and, and so <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. It just it feels like there's no accountability. And you look at the team that they played that ran them off the floor in the Warriors and they're not as like without Steph, they're not as talented as the Clippers. They're just not. And yet there is a leadership. There's there's a sweat equity about that team. There's accountability about that team. And that's just that thing that the Clippers have not had since they came together and and that's why i've always been a little bit down on the clippers because i i don't know man i i think that stuff really matters of course it does it matters a lot and and i think what one of the things you're getting at is identity as much as anything and this was a team that before the westbrook one i think the identity was actually pretty clear but it's but now obviously you have a lot of figuring out to do what are you got a new starting point guard who's obviously a major impact piece and a very good player um, but then you contrast that with Golden State, who even with Steph Curry's absence, they're still playing the same way. They still have an identity yes. that's been forged for 10 years. But the thing I would say and I would come back to is the West, because the standings are what they are, every game is going to carry this extra weight to it because every single game feels like so much. And when you lose four in a row, I mean, look, they were probably underdogs in two out of these four games. So the fact that they went 0-4 isn't the biggest like outlier. You know, it, it yeah. happens, especially when you consider two uh, overtime. But it's just that the, there's so much movement that you could have easily been the four seed, and now you're down in the seven seed with tough games coming up. I mean, it doesn't get easier for them. They play a back-to-back tomorrow that the Clippers do. They go to Sacramento on the road in Sacramento a very difficult place to play. Then yes. you've got Memphis coming into your building, followed by Toronto, the Knicks who have been on a roll, then the Warriors again. That's five games in a row where, again, it's going to be like against tough playoff caliber competition. So I just think that this jammed 20 games to go, how everything's jumbled in the West, every loss and every losing streak is just going to carry that extra weight. They have the same record as the Dallas Mavericks. Two days ago, everybody was like, this Luka, Kyrie thing's not working. They can't stop anybody. They they right. won tonight, and everybody's like, wow, maybe this thing's actually working. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But um, to your point, like, yeah, it's very easy to sort of overreact and, and whatever. But I'm just – I'm not even overreacting on the Clippers. I'm just – I'm just – I'm not reacting. I'm sick. I'm not going to react. I'm just going to wait and see. And if they end up being awesome, then great. They end up being awesome. Good for them. But I'm sick of just trying to figure them out. Here, here's my real take, though, Wes, before we get out of this segment. Here's my yeah. real take. Everybody all year has been saying, like, oh, the West is so mid. Like, it's so bad. It's this or that. I'm looking at it, and I'm going, as much as they're right for most of the year, there's been some teams that haven't been healthy. Are, you know, the Nuggets have been great. They've been right up there. The Suns, obviously, are incredibly dangerous. The Warriors are incredibly dangerous getting, um, you know, getting Steph back. Memphis and in Sacramento, okay. Maybe people think those are unproven teams or whatever at the top. But they've been good all year. But they've been good all year. 
And then you've got teams like Dallas, the Clippers, the Lakers, like the, the Timberwolves who have been much better in the back half of the year. Maybe there's not as many juggernauts out there, but that play-in is going to be absolutely absurd. I think the talent of the play-in is going to be higher than we've ever seen in the play-in. So Right now, it's Clippers, Timberwolves, Jazz, Pelicans, and if the Pelicans get Zion back before the play-in, and who knows what the latest is on that, but yeah, I mean... It's a tough play-in, man. That's a tough play-in. I have no idea who would come out of that. Um, A lot of people are also putting a nail in the Lakers season, but there could still be a way for them to make that play-in tournament. We'll tell you why that is next, but first... Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And the player of the week, Adam, I'll give you one guess. Who's the player of the week? Nikola Jokic. (laughs) You know what? He's always in the running, but it's got to be Damian Lillard. 71 points on Sunday, including Sunday in this week. That's how calendars work. Uh, 25 points and 41 points in his next two games. He's averaging like 47 points or something like that on the week. A very um, impressive win over the Houston Rockets. Very impressive. <laughs> well, you know, he's got, he had to be in there at the end to get those 71 points. Uh, 53-45-97 shooting splits. Meanwhile, Portland uh, is just 29-33. and 33, Pretty much has no chance to make the playoffs, let alone the play-in tournament. Um, just Adam, who would be the ideal co-star next to Damian Lillard? it got to be an elite defender. I mean, yeah. you got to give him somebody that, that can just block in a, a ton of shots. I mean, maybe... Joel Embiid, maybe yeah. Joel Embiid. Somebody stunningly powerful, <laughs> maybe somebody electric. Joel Embiid is stunningly right. powerful. Yeah, Joel Embiid can be considered electric. He's got an electric yeah. personality. I mean, he puts brilliantly it up and, fierce. Yeah. Does are we own. even talk? Are we even talking yeah. about Joel Embiid, or are we talking we about are. the Nissan Aria? I'm not I even sure so. anymore. Uh, the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Back here with Locked on NBA. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Um, LeBron James, he's going to be out for three weeks, according to the Lakers report uh, mm. on Thursday afternoon. Looking ahead on the schedule, Adam, that's a minimum of 10 games. Um, I'm going to really quick. Like You got Minnesota, Golden State, Memphis, Toronto, the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Mavericks, the Magic, uh, and then the Phoenix Suns. Right now, the Lakers are in 11th place at 30 and 33, one game behind the Pelicans and the Jazz for a spot in that playing tournament. Uh, but that's not an easy schedule. You mentioned before, Minnesota's been playing well. Golden State, they're going to get Steph Curry back for that game. Um, Memphis, Toronto, the Knicks, like those are all, even like the most winnable game in that stretch is Houston. And that's on the second night of a back-to-back on the road for them. Like, I don't know that there's a winnable yeah, game in there win. without LeBron. Um, with a yeah. minimum of 10 games without LeBron, they've gone 6-10 and 10 without LeBron this year. They probably need to go 5-5. Five and five during that 10 game stretch just to stay in the mix. And even that might not be enough. I mean, it might be enough just based on, I mean, one of the things about the schedule makers, I'll give them this. There's a lot of compelling games. We're going to do this in the next segment where we look at this weekend. A lot of these teams play each other. So inevitably somebody's going to be losing over the stretch. Um, But that somebody might just be the Lakers. As you mentioned, Minnesota, that's a tough game. I mean, they have to win it. Tomorrow night is a must-win game when you're at home against Minnesota. Are we in must-win season? I love that. Oh, it's must-win season. When you're in the play-in, 
When you're yeah. outside, actually, I'm sorry. When you're outside of the play-in with 20 games to go, they're all must-wins. They got Minnesota, though. That's the easiest one on their schedule. As you mentioned, they're going to go to Golden – or they play Golden State. Steph Curry's return. I just – I would have a hard time imagining the Warriors losing that game based on what we've seen, how they played lately. Then you got Memphis, another very good team. Toronto Knicks. Yeah, that's a tough schedule, man. So I look at it and I go, this is where Anthony Davis really yeah. is the big bucks. He's been great lately, by the way. Defensive monster. Um, and the, the Lakers have won four of their last five, most of those obviously with LeBron. But I think you look at this and you go, this is where Anthony Davis has to come through for LeBron and the rest of the Lakers over the stretch. And we'll see if he's up for it. D'Angelo Russell is still going to be out for that Timberwolves game. That'll be, I think, his fourth game in a row that he's missed. Um, they're going to they need everybody. Right. And they need shot making with D'Lo out um, and obviously LeBron out. So it, it comes down to Anthony Davis. You're absolutely right. And and he had that stretch earlier in the year where he was basically playing at an MVP level for like six or seven straight games. He's got to do that again. Um, he's doing like you said, defensively, he's been awesome. Offensively, I don't know that averaging 20 plus points is enough. It might have to be closer to 30, you know, to really kind of sustain the Lakers while LeBron is out. And like, like I said, this is just like a minimum. Like three weeks is a minimum of 10. He's going to be reevaluated in three right. weeks. So he can miss more time after that. If I'm LeBron, I could just play this to where <laughs> I just see what the Lakers do over these next 10 games. And if they're done, if they go like three and seven or something. I'm just like, you know what? We're out. I shut it down. Um, and and if the Lakers are able to kind of hang in there at five and five, maybe even like a six and four somehow, if AD really goes off, then if I'm LeBron, I get to come back and be the hero and maybe help this team go on a little streak here and, and force their way into the playing tournament. But I do, I think these next 10 games is basically going to determine how much longer LeBron stays out. And, and basically the Lakers entire season, it comes down to this stretch. Right it does just to stay into it. But by the way, yeah. they get a little bit of a reprieve in the middle where they'll play Chicago a couple times. They got Houston again. Yeah, but after they end the games. season with the Clippers, the Suns, the Jazz, like it just doesn't get easier. I, I, this is a big stretch. LeBron is actually going to be missing the toughest part of the schedule, and, and we'll see what the Lakers do. Let's move on. The Mavericks beat the 76ers 133 to 126 on Thursday night. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving were averaging 54. Point four points per game going into this game and then in this game they combined to score 82 points against the Sixers 42 for Luka 40 for Kyrie the first Mavericks teammates ever to score 40 in the same game uh the Mavs by the way that like stat was going around on social media and that's where I got it I think it's accurate based on Twitter I don't go. know how many teammates like how many teams have teammates that scored 40 in the same game people are like oh right. What a great accomplishment. I was like, I guess, but like, is that a thing that a lot of teams, I don't know, whatever. It's the a thing that, hey, a lot of these scoring stats this year, there's a lot of scoring stats being yeah. broken. Yeah, I was like, uh, whatever. Should we be excited about this? Or is this like, is this I think like we should be late for the Mavericks. I don't know, whatever. The Mavericks are two and four in games where both Kyrie and Luca play. Uh, Adam, what have you thought about the Luca Kyrie backcourt so far? <laughs> Incredibly volatile. Um, and fun to watch in yeah. some ways, actually a grind to watch in a lot of ways, but, but when they are both on fire and this is what this game was, it was ugly basketball mixed with these moments, these pockets throughout the game. Maybe there was three or four of them where it was electric. Kyrie couldn't miss Luca right. couldn't miss, but they just came in these little pockets. And I think that, you know, five out the NBA has kind of out, outdone itself. It's kind of solved itself, its own equation, if you will, over this last five, six years, where playing five out really tilts the game into pure chaos. 
And we've seen with this Mavs team where they have built big leads and they've collapsed, most notably the 27-point lead they built against the Lakers then collapsed. But I actually think this is not a trait that's going away. I actually think it is a trait that is baked into their DNA in that when you play five out, you take a lot of threes, you ISO with two electric scores, inevitably you're going to go cold sometimes, you're going to go hot sometimes. And when you go hot, you're going to go on quick, big runs. And when you go yeah. cold, you're going to give up quick, big runs. And that's what we saw in this game. We did. They they led by twenty five and in the sick in the second half, and then the Sixers got it back down to four, and then Kyrie and Luca, and then Luca actually came back in the game. Kyrie was in the game during that that Sixers run. Luca came yeah. back in and then pushed it back up in the fourth quarter, and then it was and then it was over. Um, no, you're right because when you have when you're playing small this way, and they basically traded away all their good defensive wings to get Kyrie and all this stuff. Yep. Um, you're basically limited to, okay, if you make your first field goal in the possession, then you're good. But if you don't, you, you don't really have the size to rebound. You don't really have defense to contest on the other end. And so you leave yourself vulnerable. And so, yeah, if you're making those shots, you're basically unstoppable. It's basically like make it, take it at that point. And then, and then if you're, and then if you're not making the shots, then you leave yourself very vulnerable. Like I said, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought tonight was the first time I really saw Luke and Kyrie figuring each other out it was really clunky it's still a little bit of clunky but it, it feels like they're figuring out each other's pace and their cadence a little bit more Kyrie is being very deferential and it feels like Luca was very was trying to be deferential and then the, he basically got the message of oh no it's still my team awesome great let me just do my Luca thing well I mean they both took 22 shots tonight and I do yeah. think that there is it's funny when you talk about this because I had a different read on the game I mean they made mm -hmm. shots tonight both of those guys did six of eight from three from Kyrie seven of 13 for Luca I mean they both were on fire and then collectively the Maverick shot 52 percent that's why they won 52 yep. percent from three but I still feel like it's a little bit of like we both are doing the same thing and we'll just kind of take turns and then at the end yeah. of the night you know we'll get it to Luca or, or what have you um I don't know if I want to declare that the the Mavericks are going to be different from what we are seeing right now. I think this might be them. And I think they're going to be a team that upsets, you know, they might be a lower seed. They might be a play-in team. They're actually the most interesting team to be in the play-in because if you're an opposing team, it's such a trick or, uh, trick or treat. Did we get the Mavs that shoot 52% from three tonight? We're probably losing. Did we get the Mavs that don't right. shoot 52%? We're probably winning easy. And you're almost just rolling the dice. And all they did in this trade was sort of increase the variance chance yep. that they're going to shoot 50 plus percent. I'll be clear. I don't think that they figure it out. I think they're just going to look like this. Like there were moments yep. there was there was this I think it was in the second quarter. Uh, Kyrie told like Luca to sort of move out, move into the corner. And then and then and then like, yeah, Kyrie was telling Luca to move into the corner. And then Luca was kind of taking his time. And then Kyrie tried to fill the corner. And then at that point, Luca was like, OK, now I'm going to the corner. And then they both kind of almost ran into each other. And then like Luca ended up taking a bad shot or something. But uh, so there's still like that weird clunkiness. But when I say like they're starting to figure it out, I didn't really see that clunkiness later in the game. So I just think that Luca plays such a slow pace and Kyrie wants to play so fast that they're going to have to meet in the middle. But at the end of the day, it is just going to be your turn, my turn, unless they start screening for each other, which right. every Mavericks fan is still waiting on. So we'll see. One, um, one interesting stat, though, here I want to just point out, because I'm talking about this five out. Joel Embiid's a pretty good defender, wouldn't you say? One, yeah. one of the one of the better one of the better big men defenders. Sure. Had a one fifty defensive rating tonight. One forty three. Sorry, one forty three defensive rating tonight. And I don't think it was an, like an anomaly. As good as he is, he's like every other center. Whenever you can put five out, especially with five out players like Luca and Kyrie, 
And with the return of Maxi Kleber, this is what you get. You get a, a team that can space five and you say, oh, you're going to stand in the basket. We'll shoot threes. Oh, you're, we're, you want to come out this time and guard on the perimeter. Too slow for Kyrie Irving. We'll get to the basket every time. And then you have specialists like P.J. Tucker, who they brought in to unlock yeah. some of this like uh, more uh, versatile type lineups. He had a 170 defensive rating tonight. Absolutely played off of the floor. And I say this not out of like an insult to Philly. I say it that I don't think people quite realize what is happening with the NBA and how it's sort of been gamed. I just feel like it's sort of been gamed, not in a way that assures you success, but that creates that high variance that a bad team or an average team can become elite uh, yeah. on a night-to-night basis. It's it's what James Harden and the Rockets did, right? Like that was the whole <laughs> idea. Um, and now they're doing it in Dallas. Uh, Joel Embiid had 35 points tonight. Yeah. Um, he got a lot of those points sort of late in that game. It, Wait a second. He should have dominated this game. Oh, okay. And I know that you're – it looks like he dominated the game based on the box score. Watch that game. Joel Embiid did not dominate this game, not in the least. The game was over by the time he was getting most of his points. Um, you know, basically the, the, the Mavs had already gone up by 25 points, and then Embiid kind of helped them get back in it. But it was also mostly Tyrese Maxey. A weird Embiid game is what I'm getting at. Like, if you're trying to put your MVP case together, this was not. This is not going on the resume, right? Like, you're not. I, I thought you were. I thought you were going to say he was stat padding, which is apparently the word of the week. <laughs> the word of the week over at ESPN. Maybe he was stat padding. In, was in a little, the little, little stat patty there, Joel Embiid. <laughs> um, all right, we got another great weekend of hoops coming up next. We're going to power rank the biggest games and which games matter the most to the play-in race and the playoff race. That's coming up next, but first. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you have to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious that you won't think that they're good for you. But they are, and they're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been telling you to go to Built.com and order your Built Bars online but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a, a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. It's Friday, which means we're counting down to the weekend with our weekly power rankings. Adam? What do you have for us this week? We got more games coming up on the weekend. I mean, I, I thought last week, Wes, was a good slate, and it was a great slate. And it actually proved to be a great slate. Some really oh, yeah. good games over that weekend. This week blows it out of the water. I can't give you five games that are great. I have to give you 10, and I can't give you 10. I have to give you four honorable mentions here before we even get to these 10. That's 14. That's 14 in our countdown this week for the games <laughs> wow. this week. And I'm telling you, if you sat on your couch all weekend and watched basketball, it would be a great weekend. It would be a great one. Um, all right. Two honorable mentions. We got to fly through because there's so many. We've got Fine. Spurs at Rockets on Saturday. Or Rockets at Spurs on Saturday and Spurs at Rockets on Sunday. And you might say, 
Adam, those games are terrible. Those are two of the worst teams in the NBA. The Spurs are on a two-game win streak and dangerous, dangerous of accidentally falling out of their season-long tank. So what happens when you have a team that won two and now desperately needs to lose against a team that's been trying to lose all year? We have the ultimate tank fest. That's what we have. Honorable mention because that might be the worst game you ever see. Some chicanery may be happening at the end of that one. Somebody fakes a tweaked ankle, something like that. Oh, man. It's going to be ugly. Uh, Don't watch it, but just watch for it. And then the other honorable mention one, I said two more games as well. Also a doubleheader, you know, back-to-back against the same teams. Jazz at Thunder. Mm. Now, the reason this is honorable mention is because these teams, like the Thunder are – I don't know if they're – they're the team I think least likely out west to make it in. They've got 34 losses. That's two more than everyone else. If they lose one or both of these ones over the weekend, their odds just plummet. Meanwhile, Utah's sitting at 32. They could switch places with these two games. So if you're interested in the bottom of the uh, playoff or play-in standings out west, those two teams play each other twice, and uh, it's it's basically essentially for that final play-in spot. And – like two aesthetically pleasing teams to watch too. Like these games will be fun. Well, maybe Shea's been out though, unfortunately. And then yeah. the, the Thunder just lost uh, Kenny Hustle, Kenrich Williams for the season. Yeah. So I, I kind of have a feeling that the Thunder. This is why they're on the outs on the on an only honorable mention. But we'll get into the good stuff. Number ten on the countdown: Wolves at Kings. Timberwolves at Kings on Saturday. I like both of these teams' as play style. The Kings are sitting in the three seed right now, although the Suns are inching towards them, just four, three games behind. Mm-hmm. And then you got the Timberwolves, who are right in the middle of that seven, eight, nine, ten. Everybody there has basically the same record. So this is huge for both teams trying not to fall in the standings. I think it'll be a great game. I'll, I'll watch any Sacramento Kings game at this point, and I'll also watch any game that Anthony Edwards is playing. So there you go. You've got Anthony Edwards versus De'Aaron Fox. You've got Rudy Gobert versus uh, Sabonis. Like some so some really good matchups in this one too. Number nine, I've got Pelicans at Warriors on Friday. This will be the last game before Steph Curry comes back. Yeah. Now, typically, this one wouldn't be that great. The Pelicans have not looked very good for a while. They're without Zion uh, Ingram. You know, since coming back, the team has actually been more shaky. Um, but this is the second night of a back-to-back for the Warriors. So it's kind of like, uh, I, th- I think, th- but it carries implications. The Pelicans right now hanging by a thread in the play-in. Uh, the Warriors hanging by a thread in the regular playoffs, not the play-in. So both teams need the win. Yeah, I mean, if the Pelicans win this game, then they're one game behind the Warriors in the loss column. I mean, this is just the definition of what we were talking about earlier, right? Like things are so compact that the, the Pelicans a week from now could be in fifth place and the Warriors could be in 10th place if things go yeah. south for them. Like it's 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 that close. Number eight, Grizzlies at Clippers. And boy, do I love this is where the games get incredible. Wait, just listen. If this is number eight on our countdown, the Grizzlies play in Denver tomorrow. If they lose, they're only going to be one loss up from Sacramento for the three seed. So they're mm-hmm. fighting for a spot. But boy, does any team in the NBA need a win like the Clippers do right now? Maybe the Lakers, but the Clippers, four straight losses. They need that one. That's Which gonna be day is this? This is on. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I think I know where you're going. Oh, no. This is a Sunday. Oof. We got a Saturday night in L.A. We got we got the Grizzlies yep. taking a Saturday night in Los Angeles. Now, surely the Grizzlies are mature and, and will Oof. handle that situation just fine. They won't. Ugh. They won't. Clippers need that one, man. I expect that to be a – I expect them to win. Uh, number six. Am I at number six? Did I do this countdown wrong? Nope. Number seven. Number seven. <laughs> Knicks at – Heat on Friday. 
you can right. talk about this one. Yeah, I mean, the Heat need to win badly, too. They've they've lost five of their last six, uh, and the last time they played the Knicks, they lost in Madison Square Garden. They're probably not going to catch the Knicks, who are at the five seed right now, but if they win this game, they're at least still sort of mathematically in that race. But right now, like, the biggest priority for Miami is not being in the play-in tournament. Right. They're two losses in the loss column behind the Brooklyn Nets, right. and that's right now the sixth seed. If you expect, the Nets have also lost four straight and still have maintained Oof. that margin, so... If the Nets keep tumbling and the Heat can get some of these wins put together, this is a really important six-game homestand that they're in the middle of. They lost the first game of that homestand against the Sixers uh, on Wednesday night, so this next one is, is huge. This is We talked about must-wins earlier. I'm not sure that this is a must-win for the Heat, but it's as close as they've had all year. Meanwhile, the Knicks have the second longest win streak in the NBA with seven yep. wins, and they are actually cl as close right now to getting the four seed and having home court in the first round as they are to falling a spot. So um, they're on the rise right here. At Riley's revenge. Which is why they have it, right? And that's why they are also number six on the countdown. Knicks at Celtics on Sunday. Woohoo! We go on a rematch. I the Knicks are are they peaking at the right time, Wes? Is this like we, <laughs> we haven't been talking about them as one of the teams? If they beat, if you go this weekend and you get a win against Miami and then you mm -hmm. get a win against Boston, I think they enter the conversation, a late entry into the conversation for the teams out, out east. Do we start getting like Jalen Brunson? Should, he should be in the MVP conversation <laughs> no, kind of segments not... on, on ESPN. No, I no. If they if they would beat the Heat and the Celtics, I guarantee you, Adam, we're gonna hear that next week. Oh, I guarantee wow. it. I would guarantee that would it. be a little bit wild. All right, now the top five, unbelievable top five we have here tomorrow night on ESPN. Memphis at Denver. Denver smacked Memphis in Denver a month ago. Memphis smacked Denver. A week ago in Memphis, these two teams are obviously fighting for supremacy on the West. Number one seed. Uh, both team, both both teams have a lot to play for, and it's a little bit of a revenge game for both teams. So I think this will be a very, very hard fought game between both both teams. Should be a great one. Are, what do you think about this matchup, just in general? Like, are the Grizzlies a bad matchup for the Nuggets? Are you not worried about that as a matchup for the Nuggets? Like, where? Uh, where I, I kind of like the matchup to be honest for Denver. Yeah. Um, I, they don't have, especially with Steven Adams out, they don't have anybody to guard Jokic. Um, yeah. You know, when Denver's at home, they they have the best home record in the NBA. Uh, so I kind of like this matchup, but, you know, the Grizzlies did get the better of them by a lot in this this, this last week. So we'll, we'll kind of see how Denver approaches this one. By the way, if Denver wins this game, they'll go up four, I believe, in the standings. Is it four or five? Oh, no, they, there'll be six games. They'll go up six games. It'll be Five right. in the lock column, but six overall in the Grizzlies, effectively locking up the one seed. So for Denver, they could really put themselves in position to coast through the finish line should they choose to do that uh, with a win Friday. So it'll be a hard-fought one. Number four, oh, man, these games are so good. Wolves at Lakers on Friday. Wolves at Lakers. Talk about implications. Lakers lose. Lakers win this one, and they tie Minnesota in the loss column, which means now they can control their own fate in, as they go towards the finish line. Boom. If Minnesota wins this one, they put a two-game cushion on the Lakers, and they their odds skyrocket of going to the playoffs. This is an early must-win for both teams. It's going to be a great one. Also, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, <laughs> their former team. <laughs> Storylines all over the place. Uh, role players returning. Um, yeah, it's a must win for the Lakers and that's always must watch TV. 
Gobert versus Anthony Davis, if you're into that kind of thing. I am. Sure. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three. I can't believe this is only number three on my list, but it is. Warriors at Lakers. Wow. Warriors at Lakers on Sunday. The return of Steph Curry. Lakers in must-win mode. And then, obviously, anytime Steph Curry's playing, it's must-see TV. But when he's been out for as long as he has, you know, 10 games, you miss him. So his return will be great. Uh, and uh, it'll be another one of those games that's just a must-win. I'm surprised this is at number three. It's because we have some bangers at numbers one and two. Number two, on Sunday, Suns at Mavs. Suns at Mavs is one of my favorite rivalries. I mean, that one carries some weight. But in this game, the talent, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Chris Stop at Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's all I needed to know. As soon as that trade went down when KD got to Phoenix, and obviously you already knew Kyrie was in Dallas, the first thing I did was look at the Suns' schedule and said, when are they going to play the Mavericks? And I tweeted it out, and I was like, boom, it's happening. Uh, And it's happening this weekend. This this is my number one game of the weekend, no question. I just – there was a moment after this – after tonight's game where where Kyrie and James Harden – did you know that they played together? Kyrie and James Harden were teammates. It like didn't last long, so if like you don't remember games? it, yeah, if you don't remember it, that's fine. It took me until the third quarter, the third quarter, to remember that they played together on the Brooklyn Nets. I was like, oh, right. And then after the game, there was like a nice little moment uh, between James Harden and Kyrie Irving, kind of hugging and, and talking a little bit. I would be, I don't, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what that moment is and what it looks like, and if it even exists at the end of this Phoenix Dallas game. I mean, I think it definitely will. I think, I mean, I think it definitely will. Katie spoke, spoken glowingly about Kyrie Irving, but that game will just carry. Yeah. And then also we didn't even just talk about the implications once again. I mean, Phoenix, Phoenix and Dallas, that might actually be for, they might have the same record going into it or be separated yeah. by one game. So that could be another one of those ones that flips the standings there. So it'll have those implications on top of all these narrative ones. But the number one game of the weekend comes, takes place on Saturday, 76ers at Bucks. 16-game win streak for the Milwaukee Bucks right now. 16. By the way, Wes, how is nobody talking about this? We don't get 16-game win streaks every year. That's not a thing that always happens. If it would be – that's their next game, right? So if they win that, it would be a 17-game win streak. There's not a game before that for them. So, yeah, I mean, when you start flirting with 20, I think it gets a lot of people's attention. I think people are talking about Milwaukee, but I also think people are just sort of like, oh, this is sort of what we've been waiting for this whole time. Maybe not like a 16-game win streak. But, yeah, I mean, they are rolling through the league. They have grabbed the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and I think they've grabbed, like, the title of favorites right now in the NBA. And so, yeah, when you've got a game against two Titans like this uh, with two MVP candidates in this game, it's going to matter. Well, what's interesting about the 76ers, too, is they just over the last two weeks have gone on like a, a test. They, they got yeah. tested. Cleveland, they won. Boston, they lost. Miami, they lost. Now you've got Milwaukee. So you are going up against the teams you're going to have to go through in the Eastern Conference, and they are one and three. And now they play another one here in Milwaukee that's arguably the toughest test. I think it's a huge one. They desperately need a win. They were they were within striking distance of that number one seed not long ago. Now they're five games back. That dream is over. But this is one of those ones that if I'm the 76ers, I just need some prove-it games between now and the end of the season to have some confidence. I didn't love the Sixers in this game. I really haven't liked what I've seen over the last week. They were, what, they're like four of their last five they've lost. And and right. they, they lost, they, they only won that weird one against Miami when they had no Joel Embiid. It was just a, a weird funky game 
um, that I don't think anybody felt great about coming out of it. But um, I, I want to make one prediction before we get out of here. I already told you the Jalen Brunson prediction. We're going to get, if they go 2 and 0 in this weekend, we are going to get maybe Jalen Brunson should be in the MVP conversation. conversation. We're not going to get that. We should not get it. Yeah. I'm telling you, somebody's going to say it. Uh, if the Bucks win 17 in a row, I love this. It's it's going to be a big. Has Giannis actually been the MVP all along? I'm because telling you. We joked about the stat padding thing. That was such an annoying, tiresome, overdone conversation that I think it actually, even though it was dumb, I think it hurt Jokic's case because sure. nobody's going to want to even talk about it anymore. It's like, all right, let's just not talk about Jokic anymore because it's exhausting. Um, and if if Giannis beats the Sixers, then all right, there goes Embiid's case, and here comes Giannis, and I guess Jalen Brunson. <laughs> just in the <laughs> MVP Brunson. conversation. Both of these things will happen next week. And I, I think, I'm, I'm predicting it now, and I want to revisit this next okay. I love it. I will say, this game's on ABC, by the way, this this matchup. Time. Yep. Embiid, I think, with a loss, and especially with a bad performance and a loss. And by the way, Milwaukee's tough. He's had some struggles against Milwaukee in the past. I think he eliminates himself from MVP com- the conversation. Yeah. I know it's early. You can always, there's still, maybe I won't say eliminate, but I would say his odds plummet. Meanwhile, if Giannis has a great game on ABC, I think the conversation will take a hard shift in his direction as we'll say, oh, wow, are they the number one team in the NBA? Oh, wow, is he averaging 30-plus points? Oh, wow, did he just outplay Joel Embiid? And oh, wow, are they on a 17-game win streak and counting? I think we'll see a hard shift in the MVP conversation in his favor as we come through the home stretch. What a fun week of hoops. So much to look forward to, so much to talk about. Thanks so much. For making Locked on NBA your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on the Locked on NBA feed. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Adam, have a great weekend watching hoops, buddy. You as well.